Father and our God, we thank you for being merciful to us and bringing us back from our different duties today. Thank you for being merciful, Father. We do not deserve to hear from you, but we pray that you please in mercy speak to us and draw our souls back to you, that our love for you may be rekindled through these words. We pray in Jesus' name. Maranatha, October 2. The elements melt with fervent heat. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. The mountains will burn like a furnace and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. And as they pour their melted ore, rocks and heated mud into the rivers will cause them to boil like a pot and send forth massive rocks and scatter their broken fragments upon the land with indescribable violence. Whole rivers will be dried up, the earth will be convulsed, and there will be dreadful eruptions and earthquakes everywhere. God will plague the wicked inhabitants of the earth until they are destroyed from off it. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and be removed as a cottage. The elements shall be in flames, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. The earth's crust will be rent by the outbursts of the elements concealed in the boils of the earth. These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures of those who for years have been adding to their wealth by securing large possessions at starvation prices from those in their employ. The great general conflagration is but just ahead, when all this wasted labor of life will be swept away in the night and day. There will be great destruction of human life. But as in the days of the great deluge, Noah was preserved in the ark that God had prepared for him, so in these days of destruction and calamity, God will be the refuge of his believing ones. Through the psalmist he declares, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. Then shall we not make the Lord our surety and defense? We should be preparing for the mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. There is a rest from earth's conflict. Amen. In the reading for today, we are looking at God of atoning nature. We are looking at the earth melting with fervent heat. And this is in the context of the second coming. Christ has not yet appeared in the clouds of heaven. The wicked um, dead are weak, the righteous dead. Wicked dead, that is um, the special resurrection, has already taken place. And all uh, eyes are bent on the, on the hev- in the heavens to see what is happening. I'm reading Habakkuk chapter 3, so that we can see also what God means when he's doing that to the earth that he's doing as we have read today in the chapter of uh, Maranatha chapter 3 of Habakkuk a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigenoth O Lord I have heard thy speech and was afraid O Lord revive thy work in the midst of the years in the midst of the years make known in wrath remember mercy God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Peran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. This is describing this same period. And he continues, And his brightness was as a light. 
he had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. I will con comment on verse 4 later on. I'll continue. Before him, that is before God, as God was coming, um, as, as he was coming, as described in verse 3, before him went the pestilence and burning coals were went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations, and everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea, that thou didst ride upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thy arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst stretch the hidden in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people even for salvation with thy anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Verse 15 Thou didst walk through the sea with thy horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. So they then down there continues with promises of hope before that time. This place I read now, Habakkuk is describing the same experience of uh, this this period, what God will be doing to nature as he is about to come to rescue his people. As we see in verse 4, that the reason why he is coming is to save his people. Verse 13 says that... Um, Thou didst, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thy anointed. He is coming to save his people, and because of that, the mountains are shaking, the perpetual hills are bowing, the sun and the moon are fleeing, everything is out of balance because God is coming to save his people. And the kind of person that is coming is described also in verse 4. And his brightness was as a light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was hiding of his power. There, is what, there was a man who came here a, a, some time ago. His name was Jesus, and he is still Jesus. He was pierced by his side, and the nails pierced his hands and his feet. He told his disciples to put their hands into those holes and see that he is really the one, that he still has flesh like them and bones. He went up to heaven with that kind of hand and body just like that, so that he could minister before God in that form. It is from there that he, the Habakkuk saw the nail prints at his hands, and that was why he said that he had horns coming out of his hand, and there was a hiding of his power. The same individual who comes to save his people at this time, in terrible wrath to, against the ungodly, is the same person who died for them, is the same person who, whose hands was nailed to the cross. And his form will not change then. He will still remain their friend forever and a human being forever for the sake of his people. This is where we see in Revelation chapter 6, chapter 6, where people were running from the lamb that seated upon the throne. It is not because the lamb was given to destroy, it was given to save in the first place. The lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. But those who refuse his salvation, who refuse his death for them, when they see him coming, they still see him coming as a lamb. Because having the same form as he had, the human form that he had when he came here, the humble form. But, although glorified, and they will run away from him who is supposed to be their friend. May God help us that in this situation, now that we have the time, before probation closes, we shall make peace with this our friend who gave his life for us. So that when he is coming to thresh the nations in anger, 
at his presence when the earth will be convulsing to and fro, when the whole nature itself will not be able to bear his presence, we can safely say that we are not going to be moved. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall not move. We shall not be uh, moved through the mountains. Psalm 46 says that we should, uh, that even if the mountains are shaking and mountains are cast into the midst of the sea, we will not fear. Why? Because that God who is coming is our friend. We know his voice. He has been with us all the while and we will not, he will not forsake us then. Even though he's coming in anger, yet the signs on his hand and on his side is the emblem that he's our friend. And that, that presence that speaks wrath to the people will speak mercy to his own people because he's coming for their salvation. May this be our experience, both now and then in Jesus' name. Amen. In the second paragraph, it says, In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. The mountains will burn like furnace and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. And as they, and as they pour their melted ore, rocks and heated mud into the river will cause them to boil like a pot and send forth massive rocks and scatter their broken fragments upon the land with indescribable violence. But the first line there, in the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. I want to take our minds to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. At the seventh plague, remember that this time is still about the, uh, still within the context of the seventh plague when the special resurrection have already taken place. It says, I'm reading from verse 17, 16 verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice. You see that voice of previous reading that talked about, the, that said that it's this voice that raises the dead. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, just exactly as we are, see, we are seeing now in um, the Maranatha reading. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great same thing that i read before about um uh, in habakkuk but this is where i'm heading to verse 19 and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. It is now at the seventh plague that God wants to give Babylon the cup of the fierceness of his wrath. The seven last plagues, is, is, they are his wrath generally upon the ungodly. But this time around now, this is when Babylon has come in remembrance before God. At the seventh plague, it comes in remembrance before God to give unto her the one of the fierceness of his wrath, as described in chapter 18 of Revelation. And you see how Ellen White puts it in the first paragraph there. In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings in heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. And then... Uh, the mountains will pour, will burn like a furnace, and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. There will be a terrible destruction at this plague. Then you see that in this in this reading, if you go if you go to the, the book Preachers and Prophets, the chapter that describes about the flood, this was exactly or something that looks like what happened when God remembered the ungodly people, the antediluvian people, to give unto them the fierceness, uh, the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, when he wanted to punish them for their iniquity. That was what happened. Thunder from above was scattering the major cities that had become like Sodom and Gomorrah in those times. And then the heavens gathered blackness, and you know the earth was heaving to and fro before 
the surface of the the deep was broken up via the waters coming from beneath while the ones coming from above you know uh, came down to meet ones coming from below rocks were sent up and down that the lesson that even the devil himself trembled for his existence that is exactly what happens in this seventh plague even more than that because in this one now fire is now added the other one was water alone in this one fire is now added from the beneath of the earth and uh, coming to destroy the very works of creation itself but you can see here that it is the nations of the world that are all included as Babylon and God wants to give unto her the wine of the fierceness of his wrath chapter 18 now gives a graphic description of how God destroys Babylon and begins to say things like reward her double as she rewarded you all her merchants all the things that she had accumulated to herself destroy for in one day her desolation have come in one day her desolation have come just as the reading have said today that um, that in paragraph 5 the great conf- the great general conflagration is but just ahead when all this wasted labor of life will be swept away in a night and a day exactly as God had said that in Revelation 18 that in one night in one day her destruction has come there will be great destruction of human life but as in the days of great, the, the, the great deluge Noah was preserved in the ark that God had prepared for him. God doesn't want anybody to be in this position. We are told that the wages of sin is death and that there is wrath appointed for the sinner. The seven last plagues is just like a foretaste of the real plague, the real wrath itself that God will bring down upon Babylon at the seventh plague. The seventh plague is really, really the wrath of God that comes upon the sinner for the sake of the law which he has transgressed. It is that plague that destroys both earth and uh, the ones, the, the inhabitants of it. It is that this is that particular wrath that really testifies to the fact that the wages of sin is death. The destruction will be terrible. But the Bible have told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, that even though God has pledged that he is going to destroy the world, as I read some t- somewhere in Sons of the Times, yet he has also pledged to save the sinner from that time. It is this thing that Jesus suffered on the cross. What happened on the cross? There were lightnings about the cross. There was thick darkness about the cross. There was an earthquake. All these things that, uh, that, that, that happened in the seventh plague, they all happened about the time of Jesus' death. There was an earthquake there. There were graves opened there. There was, uh, uh, there was um, the, the death of an individual there on in, in the behalf of all those who are going to take his death to themselves as their substitute. All these things happened upon Jesus Christ. He tasted of that wrath. He doesn't want you and I to taste it because we will not survive it. We don't have the power to atone for our transgressions. And if God has done this kind of expensive transaction for us, why are we going to put our head to that little thing that, we, that uh, has been told us we cause us to fall into that category that we receive the wine of this fierceness? God has saved us with an everlasting salvation in Jesus Christ. Let us accept this salvation that he has proffered now, now that there is still mercy before that time. Because at that time, mercy no longer pleads. And that wine that Christ bore for the sinner, if the sinner rejects it, rejects it to be born by Christ himself for him, at that time he will bear it for himself. But I thank God for such promises that we have in him. Let us take hold of this salvation now that we may not taste of this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter 3 verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The text here tells us the future. Again, today God wants us to avoid. In the book of Ezekiel 33 verse 11, God will say, Say unto the wicked, Say unto them, rather, As I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, 
but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? From where my brother spoke before, you realize that the events surrounding the death of Christ, the earthquake, the voice, the darkness, the tumbling of the earth, is a similar representation of what the sinner was supposed to pass through if he did not accept Christ. Here, God is trying to tell us to turn, 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 in which case we have an opportunity to return. In the devotion, we are told that something was the reason why some people refused to turn back. I want to read the line to show what exactly was the obstacle. In the fourth paragraph, he said, These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures of those who for years have been adding to their wealth by securing large possessions at starvation prizes from those in their employ. So you see, there is a false balance here. There is injustice. There is corruption. There is lies. There is bribery here that God is vindicating. Men have lived in oppression of their fellow men. But God today is saying, turn ye, turn ye, why will you die? Why is God destroying the whole earth? We are told that God is sweeping it off because it has been laid on the foundation of corruption. Remember Matthew 7, the Bible says that two people built a house. One built it on the sand, one built it on the rock. The one who built on sand was one who did not build by the word of God. When we achieve success against the principles of God, we are building on sand. Our, if you remember in the text, Matthew 7, both people built, their houses stood, but they could not withstand the, the great deluge. God is speaking to us that we should not raise or build our dreams, our future, on false balances. If you're in the exam hall and you have to cheat to pass a course, or you have to pay a lecturer to bribe your way through, you're building on false balances. If you're a lady and you have to dress in a way to draw attention to yourself unduly to seduce, you are building on false balances. If you have to lie to gain money from your parents or you have to lie to be able to do things that will give you your own selfish ends or benefits. If you have to lie, we've said this, this before in your age, falsify documents to win a case, falsify documents to get a job. You're building on a false foundation. And God is saying, Turn ye, turn you. Why will you die? Why will you take pleasure in that which will destroy you in the end of the day? God today is drawing our mind to the future once more so that it will not be a shock to us. A commentary in Prophet and Kings 105, paragraph 1 reads. The Lord seeks to save, not to destroy. He delights in the rescue of sinners. As I live, said the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. By warnings and entreaties, he calls the wayward to cease from their evil doing and to turn to him and live. He gives his chosen messengers a holy boldness that those who hear may fear and be brought to repentance. The messengers of the Lord are never to fear the face of man, but are to stand unflinchingly for the right. Here, God is trying to even give the messengers of the, of the gospel the boldness for the sake of salvation. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. On this note, I just want to plead with myself and with us too. There is no peace to the wicked. That's what God says. So I pray that we will take heed to this advice. The things of this world are passing. They are transient. We are here. Then Paul Washer would say, I was perhaps five yesterday. Today I'm 40. Tomorrow I'll be no more. Time does not last for us. We, we are very temporary here. So I pray that we will not allow 
the present things of this world to deny us of the greater good. May the Lord help us. Okay, the last paragraph of the reading says, We should be preparing for the mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. There is a rest from earth's conflict. At least that part of the reading admits that for the person who is preparing for that mansion, right here he's going to be having conflicts. But the assurance is that there is a rest. So, we should be be preparing, that's what it says. Preparing for what? For the mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. Because it's only those that love him that will be saved or that won't be troubled at this time when the earth are melting, when the earth is melting with fervent heat. So, how do we prepare? The preparation is strictly one of character. And when we say character, is a very broad thing. People, everyone needs to examine themselves and be be sure that we are getting it right. That and the way to do that is to look at the pattern, then check your own drawing. Maybe you have your own drawing book, which is your own character. That's you have to have a pattern you are copying. You look at it, then you look at your own drawing book and check if you got everything right. And you keep comparing your own drawing with the original or the pattern that we are supposed to be copying, which is the character of Jesus. I would advise that we strictly take this thing seriously. For anyone who would really want to copy this pattern, you are not to make any man your mentor or be a mentee to any human being. Christ is is to be our mentor. If you want to know more about him, I recommend that you read the book Desire of Ages over and over and over again. If you want to know his teachings, Christ's object lessons, over and over again. And from these books, I think you'll get a big picture of who Christ is and how to respond to different situations like how Christ would have responded, then you will know how you should respond. That is the preparation we're talking about. Because Christ is coming to take a church without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. And that's referring to us. Every standard you have learned is not to use to, to apply to someone else. Apply to yourself. We should also understand that there are some things that maybe other people may not agree with us. May, that is necess- it's necessary in the life. Yeah, keep it. You don't say because somebody else hasn't seen it yet, then you wouldn't take it seriously. Just keep growing. Keep growing. It will never come to a stage where you say, I have finally reached exactly what Christ is. Just keep growing. Because the character of Christ is a very tall order. May God give us the grace to really make this preparation in Jesus' name. Um, I want to add a counsel to help us not to take the word of God lightly. When Jeremiah had spoken to the people of Judah against sacrifices they burnt, there was a shocking statement they made, which some of us today may still make against the word of God. Some of the things that the Lord had desired that we should turn away from, some people may still doubt in their mind or listen to the voice of people who may be against the counsel of the Lord. In verse 16 of Jeremiah 44, the people said, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto you. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven, to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, etc. For then had we plenty of victuals, and we are well, and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense unto the Queen of Heaven, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things, and have been consumed by the sword, and by the famine. So here, you see that for gain, for gain, these people refuse to hear the word of the Lord. What shall it profit a man if he, if, he, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? God does not want us to lose our soul. 
God said in Isaiah that this is a rebellious people. Isaiah 30 verse 9. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the word, the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Somebody may just want to say, all these people are saying in this podcast, I'm fed up. They are bigots. I'll call all sorts of names. And you do not want to hear right things. Or you do not want to hear the law of the Lord. You want smooth things. But God says, these things will be to no profit. Wherefore, said the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a bridge ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. God does not want us to live a shattered life. Let us not stifle the voice of the Holy Spirit. I pray that these words will open our hearts and make the dew from the Spirit of the Lord to fall upon our hearts for good in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for reminding us of the future events that will take place on this earth. We feel that it's a privilege for us to know these things. But we know that this knowledge will not be of any use to us except we do what you've asked us to do, which is to prepare. Lord, we commit ourselves unto your care and everyone who will be listening. Could it be that there is somewhere in our lives where we are not copying the pattern, where our lives are not reflecting the character of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? We pray, Lord, that you reveal it to us and also give us the grace to make the changes in our lives when necessary. Especially, Lord, we ask that the loveliness of Jesus will be revealed to our hearts, that this love may awaken love in our own hearts, so that it will not be a drudgery for us, so that it will come out of a heart that is willing to obey and to do the things that are right and well-pleasing in your sight. Cleanse us from sin's guilty stain and forgive us our sins, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and answering. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank you for being merciful to us and bringing us back from our different duties today. Thank you for being merciful, Father. We do not deserve to hear from you, but we pray that you please in mercy speak to us and draw our souls back to you, that our love for you may be rekindled through these words. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Maranatha, October 2. The elements melt with fervent heat. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10 In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. The mountains will burn like a furnace and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. And as they pour their melted ore, rocks and heated mud into the rivers will cause them to boil like a pot, and send forth massive rocks and scatter their broken fragments upon the land with indescribable violence. Whole rivers will be dried up, the earth will be convulsed, and there will be dreadful eruptions and earthquakes everywhere. God will plague the wicked inhabitants of the earth until they are destroyed from off it. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and be removed as a cottage. The elements shall be in flames, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll. 
The earth's crust will be rent by the outbursts of the elements concealed in the boils of the earth. These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures of those who for years have been adding to their wealth by securing large possessions at starvation prices from those in their employ. The great general conflagration is but just ahead, when all this wasted labor of life will be swept away in a night and day. There will be great destruction of human life. But as in the days of the great deluge, Noah was preserved in the ark that God had prepared for him, so in these days of destruction and calamity, God will be the refuge of his believing ones. Through the psalmist he declares, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. Then shall we not make the Lord our surety and defense? We should be preparing for the mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. There is a rest from earth's conflict. Amen. In the reading for today, we are looking at God of our turning nature. We are looking at the earth melting with fervent heat. And this is in the context of the second coming. Christ has not yet appeared in the clouds of heaven. The wicked um, dead are weak, the righteous dead. Wicked dead, that is um, the special resurrection, has already taken place. And our eyes are bent on the, on the hev- in the heavens to see what is happening. I'm reading Habakkuk chapter 3 so that we can see also what God means when he's doing that to the earth that he's doing as we have read today in the chapter of uh, Maranatha chapter 3 of Habakkuk a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigenoth O Lord I have heard thy speech and was afraid O Lord revive thy work in the midst of the years in the midst of the years make known in wrath remember mercy God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Peran. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. This is describing this same period. And he continues, And his brightness was as a light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. I will con- comment on verse 4 later on. I will continue. Before him, that is before God, as God was coming, um, as, as he was coming, as described in verse 3, before him when the pestilence and burning coals were, went forth at his feet, he stood and measured the earth, he beheld and drove asunder the nations, and everlasting mountains were scattered, the perpetual hills did bow, his ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. And the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was an anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea, that thou didst ride upon thy horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thy arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst stretch the hidden in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thy anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked, by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Verse 15, Thou didst walk through the sea with thy horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself. 
that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. So they then down there continues with promises of hope before that time. This place I read now, Habakkuk is describing the same experience of uh, this this period, what God will be doing to nature as he is about to come to rescue his people. As we see in verse 4, that the reason why he is coming is to save his people. Verse 13 says that um, thou didst thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with the anointed. He is coming to save his people. And because of that, the mountains are shaking, the perpetual hills are bowing, the sun and the moon are fleeing, everything is out of balance because God is coming to save his people. And the kind of person that is coming is described also in verse 4. And his brightness was as a light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was hiding of his power. There, is what, there was a man who came here uh, some time ago. His name was Jesus. And he is still Jesus. He was pierced by his side and the nails pierced his hands and his feet. He told his disciples to put their hands into those holes and see that he is really the one. That he still has flesh like them and bones. He went up to heaven with that kind of hand and body. Just like that so that he could minister before God in that form. It is from there that he, the Habakkuk saw the nail prints at his hands. And that was why he said that he had horns coming out of his hand and there was a hiding of his power. The same individual who comes to save his people at this time in terrible wrath to, against the ungodly is the same person who died for them. Is the same person who, whose hands was nailed to the cross. And his form will not change then. He will still remain their friend forever and a human being forever for the sake of his people. This is where we see in Revelation chapter 6. Chapter 6, where people were running from the lamb that seated upon the throne. It is not because the lamb was given to destroy. It was given to save in the first place. The lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. But those who refuse his salvation, who refuse his death for them, when they see him coming, they still see him coming as a lamb. Because having the same form as he had, the human form that he had when he came here, the humble form, but although glorified, and they will run away from him who is supposed to be their friend. May God help us that in this situation, now that we have the time, before probation closes, we shall make peace with this our friend who gave his life for us, so that when he is coming to thresh the nations in anger, at his presence when the earth will be convulsing to and fro, when the whole nature itself will not be able to bear his presence, we can safely say that we are not going to be moved. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall not move, we shall not be uh, moved through the mountains. Psalm 46 says that we should, uh, that even if the mountains are shaking and mountains are cast into the midst of the sea, we will not fear. Why? Because that God who is coming is our friend. We know his voice. He has been with us all the while and will not, he will not forsake us then. Even though he's coming in anger, yet the signs on his hand and on his side is the emblem that he's our friend. And that, that presence that speaks wrath to the people will speak mercy to his own people because he's coming for their salvation. May this be our experience, both now and then in Jesus' name. Amen. In the second paragraph, it says, In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. The mountains will burn like furnace and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. And as they, and as they pour their melted ore, rocks and heated mud into the river will cause them to boil like a pot and send forth massive rocks and scatter their broken fragments upon the land with indescribable violence. But the first line there, in the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings from heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. I want to take our minds to Revelation chapter 16. 
Revelation chapter 16. At the seventh plague, remember that this time is still about the, uh, still within the context of the seventh plague when the special resurrection has already taken place. It says, I'm reading from verse 17, 16 verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice. You see that voice of previous reading that talked about, the, that said that it's this voice that raises the dead. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, just exactly as we are, see, we are seeing now in um, the Maranatha reading. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth so mighty an earthquake and so great same thing that i read before about um in habakkuk but this is where i'm heading to verse 19 and the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great babylon came in remembrance before god to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath it is now at the seventh plague that God wants to give Babylon the cup of the fierceness of his wrath. The seven last plagues, his, his, they are his wrath generally upon the ungodly. But this time around now, this is when Babylon has come in remembrance before God. At the seventh plague, it comes in remembrance before God to give unto her the one of the fierceness of his wrath as described in chapter 18 of Revelation. And you see how Ellen White put it in the first paragraph there. In the day of the Lord, just before the coming of Christ, God will send lightnings in heaven in his wrath, which will unite with fire in the earth. And then uh, the mountains will pour, will burn like a furnace and will pour forth terrible streams of lava, destroying gardens and fields, villages and cities. There will be a terrible destruction at this plague. Then you see that in this in this reading, if you go if you go to the, the book Preachers and Prophets, the chapter that describes about the flood, this was exactly or something that looks like what happened when God remembered the ungodly people, the, the antediluvian people, to give unto them the fierceness, uh, the wine of the fierceness of His wrath, when He wanted to punish them for their iniquity. That was what happened. Thunder from above was scattering the major cities that has become like Sodom and Gomorrah in those times. And then the heavens gathered blackness and you know the earth was heaving to and fro before the surface of the, the deep was broken up via the waters coming from beneath while the ones coming from above you know uh, came down to meet the ones coming from below. Rocks were sent up and down that to the lesson that even the devil himself trembled for his existence. That is exactly what happens in this seventh plague, even more than that, because in this one now, fire is now added. That one was water alone. In this one, fire is now added from the beneath of the earth and uh, coming to destroy the very works of creation itself. But you can see here that it is the nations of the world that are all included as Babylon. And God wants to give unto her the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Chapter 18 now gives a graphic description of how God destroys Babylon and begins to say things like, Reward her double as she rewarded you. All her merchants, all the things that she had accumulated to herself, destroy. For in one day her desolation have come. In one day her desolation have come. Just as the reading have said today that, um, that in paragraph 5, the great, conf the great general conflagration is but just ahead when all this wasted labor of life will be swept away in a night and a day. Exactly as God had said that in Revelation 18, that in one night, in one day, her destruction has come. There will be great destruction of human life. But as in the days of great, the, the great deluge, Noah was preserved in the ark that God had prepared for him. God doesn't want anybody to be in this position. We are told that the wages of sin is death and that there is wrath appointed for the sinner. The seven last plagues is just like a foretaste of the real plague, the real wrath itself that God will bring down upon Babylon at the seventh plague. 
The seventh plague is really, really the wrath of God that comes upon the sinner for the sake of the law which he has transgressed. It is that plague that destroys both earth and the ones, the, the inhabitants of it. It is that this is that particular wrath that really testifies to the fact that the wages of sin is death. The destruction will be terrible. But the Bible have told us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, that even though God has pledged that he is going to destroy the world, as I read sometime, somewhere in Sands of the Times, yet he has also pledged to save the sinner from that time. It is this thing that Jesus suffered on the cross. What happened on the cross? There were lightnings about the cross. There was thick darkness about the cross. There was an earthquake. All these things that, are, that, are, that happened in the seventh plague, they all happened about the time of Jesus' death. There was an earthquake there. There were graves opened there. There was, uh, uh, there was um, the, the death of an individual there on uh, in, in the, in the behalf of all those who are going to take his death to themselves as their substitute. All these things happened upon Jesus Christ. He tasted of that wrath. He doesn't want you and I to taste it because we will not survive it. We don't have the power to atone for our transgressions. And if God has done this kind of expensive transaction for us, why are we going to put our head to that little thing that, we, that uh, has been told us will cause us to fall into that category that we receive the wine of this fierceness? God has saved us with an everlasting salvation in Jesus Christ. Let us accept this salvation that he has proffered now, now that there is still mercy, before that time. Because at that time, mercy no longer pleads. And that wine that Christ bore for the sinner, if the sinner rejects it, rejects it to be born by Christ himself for him, at that time he will bear it for himself. But I thank God for such promises that we have in him. Let us take hold of this salvation now, that we will not taste of this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Peter 3 verse 11 says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The text here tells us the future. Again, today God wants us to avoid. In the book of Ezekiel 33 verse 11, God will say, Say unto the wicked, Say unto them, rather, As I live, said the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? From where my brother spoke before, you realize that the events surrounding the death of Christ, the earthquake, the voice, the darkness, the tumbling of the earth, is a similar representation of what the sinner was supposed to pass through if he did not accept Christ. Here, God is trying to tell us to turn, 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 in which case we have an opportunity to return. In the devotion, we are told that something was the reason why some people refused to turn back. I want to read the line to show what exactly was the obstacle. In the fourth paragraph, he said, These elements, once broken loose, will sweep away the treasures of those who for years have been adding to their wealth by securing large possessions at starvation prizes from those in their employ. So you see, there is a false balance here. There is injustice. There is corruption. There is lies. There is bribery here that God is vindicating. Men have lived in oppression of their fellow men. But God today is saying, turn ye, turn ye. Why will you die? Why is God destroying the whole earth? We are told that God is sweeping it off because it has been laid on the foundation of corruption. Remember Matthew 7, the Bible says that 
two people built a house. One built it on the sand, one built it on the rock. The one who built on sand was one who did not build by the word of God. When we achieve success against the principles of God, we are building on sand. Our, if you remember in the text, Matthew 7, both people built, their houses stood, but they could not withstand the, the great deluge. God is speaking to us that we should not raise or build our dreams or our future on false balances. If you're in the exam hall and you have to cheat to pass a course or you have to pay a lecturer to bribe your way through, you're building on false balances. If you're a lady and you have to dress in a way to draw attention to yourself unduly to seduce, you are building on false balances. If you have to lie to gain money from your parents or you have to lie to be able to do things that will give you your own selfish ends or benefits. If you have to lie, we've said this, this before in your age, falsify documents to win a case, falsify documents to get a job. You are building on a false foundation. And God is saying, turn ye, turn you. Why will you die? Why will you take pleasure in that which it would destroy you in the end of the day. God today is drawing our mind to the future once more so that it will not be a shock to us. A commentary in Prophet and Kings 105 paragraph 1 reads, The Lord seeks to save, not to destroy. He delights in the rescue of sinners. As I live, said the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. By warnings and entreaties, he calls the wayward to cease from their evil doing and to turn to him and live. He gives his chosen messengers a holy boldness that those who hear may fear and be brought to repentance. The messengers of the Lord are never to fear the face of man, but are to stand unflinchingly for the right. Here, God is trying to even give the messengers of the, of the gospel the boldness for the sake of salvation. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. On this note, I just want to plead with myself and with us too. There is no peace to the wicked. That's what God says. So I pray that we will take heed to this advice. The things of this world are passing. They are transient. We are here. Then Paul Washer would say, I was perhaps five yesterday today i'm 40 tomorrow i'll be no more time does not last for us we, we are very temporary here so i pray that we will not allow the present things of this world to deny us of the greater good may lord help us okay the last paragraph of the reading says we should be preparing for the mansions that christ has gone to prepare for them that love him there is a rest from earth's conflicts at least that part of the reading admits that for the person who is preparing for that mansion, right here he's going to be having conflicts. But the assurance is that there is a rest. So we should be, prepare, be preparing, that's what he says. Preparing for what? For the mansions that Christ has gone to prepare for them that love him. Because it's only those that love him that will be saved or that won't be troubled at this time when the earth are melting, when the earth is melting with fervent heat. So, how do we prepare? The preparation is strictly one of character. And when we say character, is a very broad thing. People, everyone needs to examine themselves and be be sure that we are getting it right. That and the way to do that is to look at the pattern, then check your own drawing. Maybe you have your own drawing book, which is your own character. That's, you have to have a pattern you are copying. You look at it, then you look at your own drawing book and check if you got everything right. And you keep comparing your own drawing with the original or the pattern that we are supposed to be copying, which is the character of Jesus. I would advise that we strictly take this thing seriously for anyone who would really want to copy this pattern you are not to make any man your mentor or be a mentee to any human being christ is, is to be our mentor 
if you want to know more about him, I recommend that you read the book Desire of Ages over and over and over again. If you want to know his teachings, Christ's Object Lessons, over and over again. And from these books, I think you'll get a big picture of who Christ is and how to respond to different situations like how Christ would have responded, then you will know how you should respond. That is the preparation we're talking about. Because Christ is coming to take a church without spot, without wrinkle, or any such thing. And that's referring to us. Every standard you have learned is not to use to, to apply to someone else. Apply to yourself. We should also understand that there are some things that maybe other people may not agree with us. May, that is necess- it's necessary in the life. Yeah, keep it. You don't say because somebody else hasn't seen it yet, then you wouldn't take it seriously. Just keep growing. Keep growing. It will never come to a stage where you say, I have finally reached exactly what Christ is. Just keep growing. Because the character of Christ is a very tall order. May God give us the grace to really make this preparation in Jesus' name. Um, I want to add a counsel to help us not to take the word of God lightly. When Jeremiah had spoken to the people of Judah against sacrifices they burnt, there was a shocking statement they made which some of us today may still make against the word of God. Some of the things that the Lord had desired that we should turn away from, some people may still doubt in their mind or listen to the voice of people who may be against the counsel of the Lord. In verse 16 of Jeremiah 44, the people said, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto you. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven, to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, etc. For then had we plenty of victuals, and we are well, and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense unto the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. So here you see that for gain, for gain, these people refuse to hear the word of the Lord. What shall it profit a man if he, gain, if he, if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? God does not want us to lose our soul. God said in Isaiah that this is a rebellious people, Isaiah 30 verse 9. This is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the word, the law of the Lord. We say to the seers, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Somebody may just want to say, all these people are saying this podcast I'm fed up they are bigots or call all sorts of names and you do not want to hear right things or you do not want to hear the law of the Lord you want smooth things but God says these things will be to no profit wherefore said the Holy One of Israel because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a bridge ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. God does not want us to live a shattered life. Let us not stifle the voice of the Holy Spirit. I pray that these words will open our hearts and make the dew from the Spirit of the Lord fall upon our hearts for good in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful to you for reminding us of the future events that will take place on this earth. We feel that it's a privilege for us to know these things. But we know that 
this knowledge will not be of any use to us except we do what you've asked us to do which is to prepare lord we commit ourselves unto your care and everyone who will be listening could it be that there's somewhere in our lives where we are not copying the pattern where our lives are not reflecting the character of our lord and savior jesus christ we pray lord that you reveal it to us and also give us the grace to make the changes in our lives when necessary especially lord we ask that the loveliness of jesus will be revealed to our hearts that this love may awaken love in our own hearts so that it will not be a drudgery for us so that it will come out of a heart that is willing to obey and to do the things that are right and well pleasing in your sight cleanse us from sin's guilty stain and forgive us our sins O lord thank you lord for hearing our prayers and answering in jesus name i pray amen Thank you.